This week's parsha, Parsha Shoftim, is, as we mentioned um, in our class last week, focused around a theme. That theme is uh, the topic of national governments and uh, the different branches of power in the Jewish state that is going to be set up in Eretz Yisrael. If we look at our parsha this week, we start off with the Shoftim Shotrim Titein Lechol Bechol Sha'arecha. We have the judiciary, the notion of the Shofet. We then later on hear about the Supreme Court, the Beit Din Hagadol, Vasital Pia Dabara Sheyagidu Lecham and Amakoma Hua Sheyivchar Hashem, Al Pia Torah Sheyorucha, etc., etc. So we have the notion of the, the judges. This is swiftly followed by the idea of a king, the idea of Asima Alai Melech, the king and the king's restrictions, followed by the special role of the Kohanim, the Kohen, the priest, and the Leviim, who have no territory, they have no land. And last of all, in Perek Yudchet, we get to the Navi. We have the Shofet, the Judge, the Melech, the, uh, the, the, the leadership of the country, the Kohen, who is the spiritual leadership, functions uh, to bring korbanot, sacrifices, functions in the temple, and uh, the Navi, the Prophet. Four different branches of government. And it is indeed fascinating that there is such a sophisticated system um, of of uh, national governance with several checks and balances, the discussion of the comprehensive uh, manner in which this creates a system for the country is beyond the scope of the shiur that we're going to engage in today. What is followed after all of uh, this discussion about the, the leadership of the country is the um, the notion of war. And here we see a series of parshiot that deal with Am Yisrael going out to war. Of course, the major challenge that they face as they're going to move to the next stage and cross over the Jordan is to capture Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, war is very much at the forefront of people's minds. And here we see a series of uh, parshiot. If you look in Perak Chaf, they're ordered uh, chronologically. Um, the first parsha we see is when they're going out to war, and it deals with the mobilization for war, um, who does not need to go, who is exempt from the battle. That's the first parsha. That is indeed the parsha that we are going to focus on today. The next parsha is Kiti Kravel Ir. The first one was Kite Tzele Melchama. When you go out to war, when you come close to the battlefront. But in the in the next parsha, Perakhaf Pasukyud, Kiti Kravel Ir You are now close to the city, and the question is, do you call out in peace, or do you not call out in peace? The next parsha, Perakhaf Pasukyutet, is Kitatur al Ir Yamim Rabim, when you are engaged in a lengthy siege 
against an enemy city? How should you treat uh, the countryside? How should you treat the trees? And here we see the famous mitzvah of Baal Tashrit. We will return to this in a few minutes. And uh, last of all, at the opening of Kitetse, we have, once you have been victorious in war, you have the Shavita Shivyor, you have camps of uh, prisoners of war, of enemy prisoners. In that situation, you have to decide what to do with, the, with, with, with your captives. So we have a very comprehensive occupation with, with war, and uh, warfaring and we're going to try and examine the attitudes of the Torah when it comes to all of these uh, particular stages of, of war as I said we are going to focus on the first of these parashiyot at the beginning of Perakhaf and I will read the, the parsha very quickly so you can gain an impression of it and then we will move ahead and try and uh, uh, delve deeper into the parsha. So reads in the following in the following way. When you go out to war against your enemies and you see horses and chariots, horses larger than yours, have no fear of them. For the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt is with you. And when you are approaching the battle, the Kohen shall come forward and address the troops, and he says to them, Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel. You're about to come close to war against your enemies. Let your heart not be soft. Do not be fear or in panic or in dread of them. And here is a pasuk which has become incorporated into the Tfilat Tzahal. Ki Hashem Elokechem Haolechimachem Lilachem Lachem Moivechem Loshiatchem. Because it is your God who walks together with you to fight for you against your enemies and make you victorious. And then the officials shall address the troops as follows and say, Is there anyone who has built a new house but has not dedicated him? Dedicated it. Let him go back to his home, lest he die in battle, and another dedicate it. Is there anyone who has planted a vineyard but has not harvested it? Let him go back to his home, lest he die in battle, and another harvest it. Is there anyone who has become betrothed to a woman, but has not yet married her. Let him go back home, lest he die in battle, and another marry her. The officials shall continue addressing the troops, and they say, Is there anyone afraid and disheartened? In the Hebrew, In that case, Then, if there is somebody afraid and disheartened, let him go back home, lest the courage of his comrades flag like his. Literally, do not melt the hearts of your brothers like your heart has become melted. Uh, before we were told, let your heart not be soft. Here, the heart is not soft, it is melting. And now, when the officials had finished addressing the troops, 
then the army commanders assume the command of the army. Okay, let us, uh, that's, that's the story. And um, I think the first question that, that everybody asks when they hear this is, who isn't scared? In other words, uh, you allow Hayarev HaRachelivav to go home. You are allowing yourself open to mass desertion. Um, everybody will leave the battlefront. In fact, um, this whole speech seems to be a little counterintuitive. Notice how they say, oh, did anybody build a house and hasn't uh, dedicated it? Because maybe he'll die in war. Three times it says, maybe he'll die in war. Uh, the guy who built a house, the guy who planted a vineyard, the guy who got engaged. What are we trying to do? Are we trying to tell our troops that there is, you know, we're trying to frighten them, that they're all going to die? So, why are, what is this whole procedure of allowing Hayarei Varach Alevav, he who is fearful, who has a soft heart, to go home? Aren't we throwing ourselves open to serious problems in the ranks of the, of, of, of the front line? There's a, a famous story um, which comes out of the, the shtetlach of where the yeshiva bachrim all go go out to the to the village or to the to, to the local city, and the maskilim, the secular Jews, have put on a play, and uh, the play goes like this: that uh, there's a whole group of people on the on the on the stage. And uh, they're going out to war, they're holding swords or whatever it is. And they say, who's built a house? Let them go home and, you know, a few a few leave. Who's planted a vineyard? You can go home, another couple leave. Who's got engaged? Another few leave. There's still a number. Who's scared? And uh, And everybody leaves. And there's left one elderly Jew in some of the ways the stories are told that elderly Jew has a sign on him uh, you know the Vilna Gaon and just the Vilna Gaon is standing there and and the, 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 everybody's laughing you know this is a comedy uh, the story is told that when people when, when the Talmudim of the Vilna Gaon came to tell him the story uh, or came to tell some other of the story um, he said yes but but they didn't do the end of the play and uh, the Talmudians say, well, what, what should the end of the play be? And he says, well, the Vilna Gaon won the war. He won the battle all alone. We'll come back to this point in a few minutes. But as I say, this is, is the most uh, bizarre operation going on here. We're meant to be going out to war. We should be pumping motivation into the troops and not disheartening them. A second problem in this parsha is the is the idea that we will see that uh, if you look at the parsha, the first is v'nigash hakohen v'dibar ha'am, the kohen with the definite article. Um, Chazal say that this is the kohen mashuach mulchama. There is a special priest who is appointed for this role, the kohen mashuach mulchama, specially anointed. He in fact is the third in command. The third in the hierarchy of the Kohanim, he has a very high prestigious profile. Hakohen, that's one he speaks to the people first, but after that, the Dibruha Shotrim. What there seems to be a role for the priest, 
we'll come back to that, and a role for the shotrim, for the officials. Or, But who's missing? The king is missing. The king is the is the functionary, is the leader who always um, rallies the troops to battle. Uh, people fight for king and country. And uh, we wonder, where is the king? Why is the king missing? And last of all, um, the, the parsha seems to have a strange order to it. It says, You go out to war, you see the horses and chariots. By the way, horses and chariots are what our enemies have. We do not have horses and chariots generally. And it says, Amrav Mimcha, your enemy is, is, is more numerous than you. Don't be scared, God is with you. He will, he is fought for you in Egypt, he will fight for you again. And that is when the Kohen stands up and says, Don't be scared, God is with you. But then they go through this whole routine of sending everybody home, which should weaken the morale of the nation. And uh, it would appear that the order is, is is in reverse. Wouldn't you imagine that you should send all the scared people home and then give the pep talk, give the pep talk second? In fact, if you look in the, the book of the Maccabees, Sefer HaMakabim, um, there there is a story about Yehudah HaMakabee where he's leading his uh, outlaws to Yerushalayim. And, and there... They go to Mitzpah, Mitzpah, which is today's uh, Nebi Samuel, it would seem. And he does exactly this. On the first uh, stage, he turns around to them and says, uh, you know, whoever is, is not appropriate should go home. Um, he does exactly what it says in the, in, in the Psukim. Whoever built a house, whoever's planted a vineyard, whoever's betrothed, whoever's faint-hearted should go home. But after that, he turns around and says, Guard yourselves and be valiant. Um, it is better for us to die in battle than to see the misfortunes of our nation and our mikdash. Um, but as is his will in heaven may be, so he will do. There the order is correct. First you send the scared people home. And then you, you, you talk to the people and you give them the pep talk. So we've raised many questions and I'm going to try and give a few lines of of understanding of this parsha, the first uh, way to understand this parsha, I believe, is a psychological, a psychological understanding. When uh, the Ibn Ezra addresses why it should be that he who has built a house, he who has planted a vineyard, or or, or got engaged but not married, has to leave the the war front, and let me. Let me stress that Chazal say that this is not in a defensive war. In a defensive war, a war where Am Yisrael is in existential danger, what we call a milchemet mitzvah, in that situation everybody fights. Afilu chatan um, Everybody goes to the war front, men, women, um, there are no exemptions. We're fighting for our survival, everybody has to go to war. We are dealing with a Milchemet Rashut, which again we will talk about. But the Ibn Ezra says the following: Hatan ki libo v'chol ta'avato lechinuch beito v'inei libo lebeito v'lo lemilchama alkein yanus v'yanisachirim. 
The reason is that his heart and all his desire is upon the dedication of his home. His focus is on the home front and not on war. And he will flee, or possibly, it could be, he will desert the army and cause others to flee. According to this, the whole purpose here is uh, psychological. The reason why we allow these uh, chosen people to abandon the war is because we are concerned that they will weaken the resolve, weaken the morale, and we say it's better to have a lean, mean army, um, a focused army, an army with motivation, than have many people hanging on who really don't want to be there, who their minds are elsewhere and they can't get their minds uh, off these topics. It it is interesting that in all three cases here, um, a person is mid-process. In other words, uh, lots of people have houses, but they manage to understand that they should fight in order to to keep the houses. But here you have somebody who who has built a house but hasn't finished it, who has planted a vineyard but hasn't drunk the wine, who is engaged to a, a woman and and hasn't married her. So there seems to be something in the process which gives the person a certain obsession, a certain lack of peace of mind, and therefore he is rele- released from his uh, duties. And in this regard, we can see the entire purpose as being psychological. The Kohen comes up as the religious representative, and the Kohen says, Ki The whole idea is God is going to fight for you. We know the enemies are numerous, but God is on your side. It, it, the phrase used here is, Loti Ramehem, do not be afraid from them. If God could fight the mighty Egyptians, God can certainly fight this motley crew. In this regard, I think the language is very, very specific because God says, Loti Ramehem. Um, and later on, the Kohen says, Al Yirach Al Do not have Rach, do not have a soft heart, do not be afraid. Who is the fourth group to be sent home by the Shotrim? The Yarei Varachalevav. In other words, he tells them, strengthen your heart, don't be scared. But if somebody really cannot uh, muster that motivation, that courage, again, we don't want him there. The whole approach, according to this, is psychological. That is one approach. A second approach might uh, be religious. In other words, why do we need a a Kohen here? The Kohen, what is he doing in the battlefield? The Kohen is meant to be, usually the Kohen is the antithesis of war. The Kohen, we know that in the Beit HaMikdash, even the Mizbeach itself, the altar itself, is not allowed to be carved by metal implements. The Mikdash is seen as, a, the temple is seen as a place which is the antithesis of war. The Kohen, what is the Kohen doing here in the battlefield? And I think we have to say is that the Kohen is there to bestow God's blessing. The other place where we see the Kohen is Birchat Kohanim. He is doing like a Birchat Kohanim. He is bestowing God's grace into the battlefield. 
Rashi makes an interesting statement when he says the Kohen begins with the words Shema Yisrael. Rashi says Afilu Even if you only say Kriyat Shema, even if the only mitzvah you've done is Kriyat Shema, that God should still save you. In other words, the whole purpose here is religious. Later on, we um, in, in Sefer Devarim we hear about the notion that the war camp is holy. The war camp is holy. We know that sometimes the Aron, the Ark, went out to war. But there, um, in the parsha in, in Kitetze, there is a special mitzvah, a special instruction given that the camp has to be a, a clean, hygienic, holy place. And um, in this regard, there are even provisions for the sanitation, for toilets, in the war camp. And when the Torah specifies why this has to be the case, this is the language that the Torah uses. The language says the following. The, the, the Pesukim say the following. Look at Perak Chaf Gimel in Duvarim, Pasuk Yud Gimel, Yud Dalet. When you need to go to the bathroom, you do so outside the camp. And you need to have a shovel with your, with your uh, war tools. Because God, Hashem your God, walks in your war camp to save you. To deliver your enemies in your hands. Let your camp be holy. In other words, the Kohen is here because the camp is holy. The Aaron is sometimes brought to the camp. The whole atmosphere here is one of of, of religious um fervor, belief in God, emunah bitachon. Here, interestingly, the Mishnah in, in Sota mentions a fascinating machloket between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Yossi Haglili. Um, the question is, what is the person scared of? The person who is sent home because he is fearful. Um, what is he fearful of? Rabbi Akiva Omer, Rabbi Akiva says, when it says the person who is scared and weak of heart, it means he, he, he sees a unsheathed sword. He sees the enemy charging and he can't cope. In other words, this person has no courage. He's not a fighter. He is fearful in the plain military sense. However, Rabbi Yossi Haglini says, Rabbi Yossi Haglini wants to perceive the entire war front as being something which is spiritual. And therefore, one way of possibly reading this parsha, and the reason why we do send away the uh, the person who is scared is because he's not scared of battle. He's scared because he is unworthy. He's scared that he is a sinner and that he will bring down the, 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 the whole military campaign because of his sins. In other words, my, our first approach was psychological. People are sent home because they will uh, weaken morale. But according to the second approach, the religious approach, the reason why the Kohen has such a prominent role in the war camp is because this is essentially a, a spiritual endeavor. Hashem is going to save us. It won't be our uh, military strategy which will save us. Therefore, the Kohen is the prime functionary. 
And the Yarev Barachalevav is the person who is uh, scared of his sins. And we win the battle on the basis of whether we say Shema Israel or not, on the basis of whether we are Tzadikim or not. And I will admit that this is a certain spiritualization of war. You might be aware that uh, Chazal, uh, and it could be that this happens post-Horban or post-Bar Kochba, probably post-Bar Kochba, took a step back from uh, military engagements. They... Many, many, many drashot prefer to see the warriors of David, not as uh, military warriors, but rather as Talmidei Chachamim, whose swords are unsheathed in the Bet Midrash, rather than in the battlefield. Um, in fact, if somebody opened Masechet Brachot, they would certainly perceive David as a Talmud Chacham, whereas if they open Sefer Shmuel, they see him as a warrior. It could be that Rabbi Yossi Haglili's perspective, and this whole perspective, is a rereading, is a spiritualization, is a withdrawal from uh, military conflict, which is uh, created by the scars of the debacle of the Bar Kokhba revolt. I, I don't know. Whichever way, um, the story I told before, where the where the uh, Vilna Gaon manages to to win the war, is precisely this approach. So, our first question that we had was, what are we doing, sending people away? The first approach says it's psychological. We don't want to weaken the morale. The second approach says that we're sending people away who are sinners because really what's happening here is that we have a, a religious a religious uh, thing going on that we need to be saved by God and for that we need to be worthy. There is a third approach which I'd like to, to, to raise and uh, one of the people who suggests this approach is um, the German uh, commentator Rav David Svi Hoffman. He he possibly expresses it in the most, uh, you know, explicit way. And uh, Rav David C. Hoffman says very, very clearly that there is a balance between war and peace, or between the, um, between the militarization of society and the the home front. Or put it put it a different way, even when there is war. The society has to go on. He says, Our sacred Torah attaches as much importance to the individual's private home life as it does to the expansion of the country's borders. And therefore it commands those mentioned in this passage to return to their homes. In other words, even when we go out to war, even when we have to fight, we understand that after the war we're going to have to come home. And people who are in the middle of building, planting, marrying, let them continue. Especially if we're dealing not with an existential war, but a Mulchemet, Rashut. The idea is that uh, it's not all war, even though we happen to be engaged in conflict now. We have to get a sense of perspective. Um... The the interesting thing is that whereas the kuna in general is hereditary, the Mashuach Mulchama is, is, is not hereditary. The role of the war priest is not hereditary. And many people want to suggest that this means that it is not only temporary, but it is something which has no continuation. In other words, we don't see war as something which is um, ongoing. 
And uh, to this degree, Rav Cook, Rav Zevin brings a story about Rav Cook in, in his book, Yishim Shitot, And he says that Rav Cook said that there are times when the Mashuach Melchama is the most important Kohen. But in civilian times, the Mashuach Melchama is not important at all. Why? Because, of course, uh, we don't live in a militarized society. And therefore, Rav David Hoffman suggests that this is not about war. According to the first two approaches, whether it was the psychological approach or religious approach, the aim was to make the war successful. Rav David Hoffman says, no, the people who are sent home are not to increase our chances of being successful at war. It is to tell us, even as we are at war, that the home front is important. Um, Rashi says that what's why these people uh, sent home, if a person... Um, builds a house but he doesn't dedicate it Ogmat Nefeshuzeh in other words it's a source of great distress it's a great distress for people to get engaged and not to be able to fulfill their love by getting married and there is a need for civilian society to continue a counterbalance to, to the war now it could be that the approaches that we've uh, said are not opposing but they're complementary let me explain we have two leadership figures here. We have the Kohen and the Shoter. The Kohen, the, Kohen, the Moshach Muhammad, and the Shotrim, the officials. It could be that the Kohen is there to bestow the religious blessing. And the Shoter is there in order to deal with the psychological factors. Um, and in that regard, it might well be that everything we've said here um, is all simply layerings multiple layers with one on top of the other where you're right and you're right and, and, and it creates a cumulative effect. But I would like to finish by raising the, going back to the first question that I, that I, I raised. Uh, I, I raised the question, what happens if everybody deserts the army? Is this a recipe for success? And I, and I, I raised another question that the order seems to be wrong. Shouldn't we release people and then motivate them? So, I think the answer to this is pretty clear. Um, of course, if everybody deserts the, the, the battlefield, if everybody says, I'm scared and I'm scared and I'm scared, then indeed, in some Chimelanes, the result will be complete capitulation and we will indeed lose the war. Um, and that cannot happen. And in that regard, one cannot enforce one cannot enforce people to go to war. You know, even in contemporary Israel, where there is a draft, where there is compulsory compulsory um, enlistment, both in uh, certain religious sectors and even in secular circles, people who feel that they do not have the motivation to go fight even in a country where there is compulsory enlistment they find a way of getting out of it you cannot um, you cannot run a war if the soldiers are not brave enough, are not motivated enough, are not ru'ulim they're not absolutely impassioned to go and fight for their country. 
There is no artificial way to force people to have courage and to have motivation and to have confidence in the in in the correctness of war. And I think we see this very much in contemporary Israel. When I talk to people, I, I never went to the army, but when I talk to friends of mine who did, they very much talk about the 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 full awareness of of the possibility of death as they stand there waiting to cross over the border and to go. And yet, when our soldiers were going out to offer Yitzhakar, when they were going to cross the border into Gaza, the feeling was, uh, when was this war? Three years ago. That this was a, a just war. This was a correct war. This was a war to defend our cities because we couldn't cope with the ongoing rocket attacks to Steyrot and to other cities. In other words, the the notion of sending people away and making them away, uh, aware of, of, of death, aware of uh, who is scared, is actually, if you want, has a reverse psychological effect. Because obviously, the whole aim of, of, of battle is that you can only go into battle if you have built the uh, civilian motivation, the ideological motivation, the religious motivation, the passion in order to fight, to fight for our, for our families, to fight for our country, to fight for, for justice. And therefore there is a whole layer behind this uh, parsha which is, which is not really being said. And that is that everybody in the, in the army knows that they obviously have a choice. But if they're going to be there, they're going to be there for, for the right reasons. Um, in other words, the role of the Kohen HaMashiach is not just a ritual role in order to bestow the blessing, but it expresses the very basic fact, the basic reality that the, it is not the power of the, the tank and the plane. It is not the power of the, there's not the firepower of the army which is going to win the war, but it is the passion and the motivation of the soldiers who are fighting in that battle. And therefore, the worst, the, the last thing we want is to have people in the battle who don't want to be there. And I'd say more than that. The, all of these releasing from the army, as the soldiers see that there is hardly anyone leaving, that there are people leaving maybe because they've just got married, etc., etc. But when they say, and who's scared, and nobody leaves, then this reinforces the sense, we're not scared, we are confident, we know why we're here, Hashem is fighting for us. And Bezrat Hashem, uh, we, sh- we shouldn't know of war. We shouldn't know of war. Sometimes war seems a little bit too close to home here in our contemporary Medina Israel, and we, we pray indeed that we we shouldn't have war. But when we do need to go to war, we also pray pray that our that we have educated our 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 children to to understand what they're fighting for, and to also understand that they have to daven to Hashem that He Hashem alokechem aolechimachem nilachem lachem moivechem lo shiaitchem. That Hashem will also play his part in 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 ensuring that mistakes don't happen and that the war is is successful. So much in war is psychology and motivation, and indeed, maybe that is exactly what this parsha is saying. Um, 
And on that on that note and that prayer, we will end our our share for this week. Thank you very much.